Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. It is Thursday, August 5th. Two straight days of Grizzlies basketball. On Tuesday, it was awesome when Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman were both playing. Last night, not so well, but names such as Yves Pons, Romeo Weems, and Keaton Wallace, among others, really got to show what they can do, potentially playing for spots either with the hustle or maybe even on two-way contracts with Memphis or elsewhere. It's been fun to see some new names in Grizzlies uniform. But of course, we're also still in the midst of free agency season, though things are not as active as they were Monday and Tuesday, and stuff has not been active at all when it comes to the Grizzlies, there's still plenty of stuff on the horizon. And that's why I'm once again very happy to welcome back friend of the show, Chip Williams, for a special two-part episode series on Locked on Grizzlies regarding both the Jaron Jackson Jr. extension that should be coming up at some point in time, likely, in the near future, as well as the Grizzlies' approach in the 2021 NBA Draft. In this first show today, we will talk about the Jaron Jackson Jr. extension from all the different perspectives as to why it makes sense for Memphis. And speaking of making sense, will also make some sense of the Grizzlies' approach in the 2021 NBA Draft. In tomorrow's episode, we'll then dive deep into how exactly Zaire Williams compliments Jaw compliments Jaron, compliments the rest of the roster, and what his addition to this roster could mean for how the Grizzlies team could, what it could mean for the Grizzlies team moving forward. You can find myself at StatsSAC on Twitter, the show at Locked on Grizz, Chip Williams at Chip Williams Jr., all on Twitter. My name's Sean Coleman. I'm a credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. I've been covering the Grizzlies for three years. Your host here at Locked on Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. Of course, you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available. But hopefully you're having a great start to your day. We're hoping that this certainly adds to it. Part one of our discussion with Chip Williams on today's episode, discussing the reasons behind the Grizzlies' pursuit of a Jaron Jackson Jr. extension, as well as their perspective of the ways that they went in the 2021 NBA Draft. And a great thing about this week is that due to how active and crazy things are going right now, it gives me an opportunity to talk with some of my favorite folks. We talked with him before the draft, but we always love talking with him just in general when it comes to basketball, especially when it comes to learning about some new additions to the Grizzlies. Chip Williams, a very popular name around Memphis this time of year, as always, but for good reason, one of the best draft finds I've ever come across. Of Chip Williams is kind enough to join us again. Chip, how are you, sir? I'm great, Sean. I, I always look forward to your introduction because it, it really inflates my ego, and, and I uh, <laughs> I do appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, and, and it's not just the awareness of things like, hey, I watch a guy, or, you know, here's my opinion on a guy. There's some really insightful stuff from you and many across Grizzlies fandom, uh, but it's just a joy to talk basketball with you, number one, but there's always something to learn when it comes to talking to you, so that's why it's always a joy on my end. Can't thank you enough for taking the time to do it. It's an exciting time for sure to talk some Grizzlies basketball. No, it absolutely is. Like, I mean, this is this. I, I saw someone tweet the other day. It was like, you know, shout out to the degenerates watching the summer league. And I just was like, I mean, look, man, this is my Super Bowl. Like, I love watching Murray State's backup center run for the San Antonio Spurs and summer league team. Like this, I love it. This is this is like my favorite time of year. So no, the the pleasure is all mine. 
Of course, uh, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. My name's Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for three years. Chip has been covering the draft now for, I think, three decades. All kidding aside, Chip did a great job on a on the podcast. Friend of the show, Parker Fleming, his podcast, The Long View. Chip and Parker went into detail on Zaire Williams, and we're going to talk about Zaire Williams in just a second, obviously. But Chip also wanted to t- bring you on the show because someone that you have followed for quite quite a many years, and you know that you were excited to be a part of the Grizzlies, you know you I, I know ever since even before he was drafted, when the Grizzlies got this guy and Jaron Jackson Jr., possibly the best natural talent at the time they'd ever drafted. But it also is a big week for him coming up on the decision of what the Grizzlies are going to do as far as his extension goes. It's been a popular topic over the past couple of days. You and I both shared the opinion. While we don't think that people are disrespecting Jaron, it's just, you know, I I think that there's been a little bit of attention drawn away from just how special his talent is. But but overall, when it comes to the decision of Jaron Jackson Jr. and when to extend him, how much to extend him, just some general thoughts you have on that subject, which is going to be the overwhelming subject, you know, the prim- the primary subject for the Grizzlies moving forward, I think, for the rest of this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, there are people a lot smarter than me that could speak to the cap ramifications of the exact numbers of what Jaron is going to get, is likely to get, et cetera, right? Um, and, what I would say to that is Jaron's going to get paid a lot of money. I mean, a whole lot of money, probably north of $100 million, regardless of if it's four or five years. That is the price you pay when you have a top five pick that looks as good as he does before turning 22 years old. I understand that, you know, the, the recency idea of, hey, uh, he's coming off of an injury at time, you know, the shot wasn't really falling when he came back. Like, I get it. I, I understand it. Like it, it was frustrating. The, the way the entire situation um, played out, I think was frustrating. I don't think that the Grizzlies necessarily deserve blame for being careful with Jaron because that you, at the end of the day, Jaron is one of the most important players and certainly one of the most important assets the team has moving forward. And you're going to do everything you can to protect that guy, right? And so they felt he needed an extended period of time to come back from that injury. And look, when he came back, I thought that, you know, it took him a couple of games to get going to really start looking closer to himself. I don't think he ever quite, you know, at least according to my eye test, quite got to what he looked like as a sophomore in the league. Um, But I thought in the playoffs he had some really good moments, especially against Rudy Gobert, you know, defending him, rebounding against him. Like, I, I thought he, he looked good, even for if that was a healthy version of Jaron, he looked pretty good. So, anyways, it's it's kind of my long-winded answer to get back into, like, they should just pay Jaron whatever he wants within reason. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, if he wants the max and he's holding firm, that's fine. Like, whatever, just just pay the guy because – you have so much invested in him already and you have no way to go replace him if something were to, you know, he were to walk some sort of way, which like that's, that's just not going to happen. So we won't even entertain it. Um, I think the worst thing that could come out of this, and I don't expect it, but from my perspective, the worst thing that could come out of this is if there is some sort of contentious negotiation 
and a fractured relationship between Jaron and the front office, right? If the front office tries to play hardball with Jaron and really negotiate some numbers down, I just don't, like, I don't foresee that playing out. But, like, to me, that's the worst-case scenario. You have to bet on this guy being one of your cornerstone pieces moving forward. And if he's not, then, like, it doesn't really even matter how much you paid him because – the team is in trouble anyway. They're not looking for a second guy to pair with Ja. Um, and so, like, look, you, you can't replace him. You got to pay him. That's what's going to happen. This is a super talented 21-year-old who's shown a lot. And I understand the injuries. But, look, man, it's part of the game. And I don't know. I, I probably am rambling a little bit at this point, Sean. But that's just kind of where I am. You know, I, I think overall in the extension – Pay the man what he wants because that's what's best for the franchise. Over the past few weeks, NBA teams have been looking for the best ways to find new parts for their roster to upgrade the overall performance of their roster moving forward. Well, that's the same approach that you're going to have to take to your car over time to make sure that it consistently performs as well as it can. And if you need new car parts, rockauto.com is a great place to go. For one reason, it's very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find what you need. And rockauto.com is likely to have what you need because regardless of the make and model or the part, you'll likely find it at rockauto.com. Whether you're someone who does your own repairs, you do repairs for others for living for a living, or you, you've got to have someone else do your repairs, rockauto.com is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. They know car parts typically are going to fall outside of folks' budget, so they want to make things as economically as feasible as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's certainly what matters is, is what's best for the franchise. Now, I think there's two sides to that. If Jaron is demanding the max personally, you know, I, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm a bit cautious from that. You know, I, I don't necessarily, Jaron to me has not been a max player. He's shown flashes. And I think that that's important to realize that that I feel like this upcoming year, it's going to be critical for Jaron to start showing more consistent flashes of what he truly can do. Do I think Jaron is a max player? No, I think that he's got the potential to be a max type player certainly but if if it's coming down to whether there's going to be issues whether you give him four years 90 versus you giving him four years 100 just go ahead and give him four years 100 without any hesitation at all that's my whole point of of these contract negotiations and 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 don't don't let it go to the fourth year don't do all that I, i know it would be nice to get him on a collins type deal after next year but just go ahead and give him that four years 100 million dollars make the most of it make it clean, set a good precedent for when it comes to jaw, and then trust that you're going to be able to make it happen. Because if you just can get him healthy and build off his second year under Taylor Jenkins, you've got an all-star type level player to work with moving forward who's only going to be 22. That's exactly right. And so you may even know this better than I do, but basically they cannot give him five years right now unless it is the full max. Is that accurate? If you don't mind me taking just a second, that is correct. Uh, actually, uh, a name that me and you both know, Matt Hurdlicka, who is a, a smarter. I, I can only speak for myself. Yeah. He, 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 is, he is absolutely unbelievable when it comes to the cap uh, um, scenarios of things. Me and him have had a few extensive conversations about this. The way that it sets up is this, is that since Jaron still has a year left on his rookie contract, the only way that the Grizzlies can give him that fifth year is if they give him a max contract 
contract, which would be set up like you see those contracts signed by Trey Young and um, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, which would be for the five years, $172 million deal. That's the only way right now that Jaron can get a fifth year on a deal. The reason why you're seeing a John Collins and a Jared Allen be able to get a fifth year, even though they're still on the rookie contracts, is because once the initial four-year rookie contract has been completed, then you can give that fifth year on an extension. That's why you see Jared Allen and John Collins get that. So that is correct. The only way that Jaron can get that fifth year right now is if the Grizzlies were to give him that on a max contract. Okay, perfect. That's that's what I thought. Yeah, Matt Matt is like my version of Bobby Marks, right? Like he's always got the cap stuff going. He he knows exactly how unbelievable. He's the best. So wonderful. Um um, so, okay, like, I, I look at the John Collins contract, right? Five years, $125 million. That is, to me, like, the perfect Jaron Jackson Jr. contract. That is a lot of Agreed. money annually. That is a huge investment in Jaron. That is five years. It, again, that's only going to take you, I think, to his year 27 uh, season, right? Like, he'll be 27 years old when that contract runs up. So you'll have time to, you know, extend out another offer that'll take him – on into his early 30s, right through his prime. Like, that's the perfect deal. Um, obviously, they can't offer that to him this season, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate. Um, but, you know, like like you said, I think 400 is totally fine. I think, you know, 4, 110. Four, like, to me, Sean, I believe in Jaron. I'm a, a huge holder in Jaron Jackson Jr. stock. He was my number two player in the draft that year. He is one of my favorite prospects that I have ever watched play. Um, I I just I fell in love with the guy. And to be honest with you, he is a different NBA player than I honestly thought he was going to be. And I think part of that is because he is still developing physically. I mean, I think if we just took a picture of him 18 months ago and a picture of him today, I mean, he's probably put on 15 to 20 pounds at least. I mean, he looks like a different guy. And that's not shocking because of how young he still is. I just, I, I think people forget that, right? Like he is quite a bit younger than Desmond Bain, than Xavier Tillman, than, uh, than even Killian Tilly, like Brandon Clark. All these guys that were drafted after him, he's still younger than them. He, you know, John Morant was also drafted after them. He, he's a couple months younger than Ja. I just, I think that gets lost a little bit. And this guy, I, I, I say this to people all the time. These guys who are Jaren's size, that are, you know, anywhere from 6'10 to 7 feet tall, they have been that height for maybe three or four years. They're still trying to figure out how to fully coordinate all their limbs that they've got going on, right? Like guys who are, you know, 5'10, you probably hit 5'10 in eighth or ninth grade, and then you kind of quit growing, right? You, you've been that for a long time. Well, these guys who are super tall, like supernatural human size, it takes them a while to fully get the strength and the coordination to maximize their athletic abilities. And I think we're witnessing that with Jaron. And he, he could not have had a more, uh, unfortunately, timed injury that kind of robbed us of a key development year. But I've seen people say this is make or break. It's just not. I mean, he's just too young to have a make or break season. Um, you know, if he, he gets some sort of major injury, uh, you know, God forbid this season, then maybe we can start having those conversations. But this is a development year for Jaron, and I think you clearly see the signals that were sent from the Grizzlies front office 
We're trading Jonas. You know, we're bringing in Steven Adams so he can play some of that that Jonas is taking away. But this, to me, opens the path for the future with Ja at point guard, Jaron Jackson at the 4-5, and then you start to build those pieces around him. Yeah, and that's the other thing that came from his injury, right? The fact that he got stronger. And he also, I think, got smarter as well. Because the areas that you saw, yes, the fouling was still there. But there was a definite recognizable increase in production when it came to rebounding. That came from the strength. That's the first thing that Jaron talked about, had really improved about his game and his time off. But there also, per 36 minutes, Chip, he averaged 3.5 stocks. I think he averaged 1.7 steals and 2.6 blocks per 36 minutes a three and t for lack of a better way of putting it big who can make you who can shoot the three but also can create those impact plays of getting the grizzlies an opportunity to turn defense into offense while also showing consistent flashes as being the anchor of the defense i don't know if it's going to be consistent but i do think you're going to see more flashes of it per game and if he can get anywhere back to where he was his sophomore year after creating his own shot from distance, now you've got something cooking. And I certainly feel confident that that could be the case. The biggest reason why, look at Dylan, look at Kyle, look at Jonas last year. A healthy offseason under Taylor Jenkins' tutelage and development. Imagine now what Jaron Jackson Jr. can do with the healthy offseason. The first one he's had under uh, Jenkins' tutelage. Imagine what uh Jenkins can do with Jaron the same way that he did with those other three. I feel confident we're going to see a new and improved version of Jaron Jackson that certainly is going to make the investment worth it, even in year one. Absolutely. And and another you know interesting stat that popped to me is his free throw rate went from about a 0.25 to a 0.33, which is a nice jump because he, Jaron's a good foul shooter. I mean, he shot basically in the mid, mid to high 70s his first couple of years, and then 83% um, his, sec- his third year, you know, the, the I know small sample size and all that stuff. I totally get it. But, like, I, you know, I think people – I think what threw people off the scent, uh, Sean, was he, he missed threes, right? Like, he did not shoot threes the way that he did his rookie year or his second year. And I think people immediately thought, okay, Jaron, he's shooting, like, somewhere in the 20s from three. Okay, this – like, what's going on? This guy's broken. He doesn't look the same – he was not that bad. I mean, he, he really just like what you just talked about. The stocks went up. The free throw rate went up. The rebounding was the best he's ever had. Like, it was just not that bad. I understand the fouls weren't great. I understand three-point shooting wasn't great. But, all like, we know Jaron can shoot. We have too much data that points to Jaron can shoot. That's not going to be a concern. The things that got better, the strength, the impactful defensive numbers, and the rebounding – those are huge for his development as a eventual, hopefully, full-time center for the Grizzlies. Um, and so, look, they're, they're going to pay him a lot of money. The, some people are going to be very upset about it, very skeptical. And I think that's totally fine to have a healthy level of skepticism about paying a guy on potential, right? Because it does certainly have uh, potential to backfire on you, you know? You have no other choice. There's no way you're going to replace this guy. The front office is clearly high on him. People that know way more about the draft than me are, are way higher on him than even I was. Um, so, look, we he's a unicorn. You know, I think you even tweeted the stat that it was um, – that, that basically he and Kevin Durant were the only people uh, to do a certain amount of, you know, 
whatever it was at that size. Like it, we don't see players like this. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine with paying him. And if it backfires, Hey, you tried and we got to figure something else out. Agreed. Now at the end of the day, I, I tweeted out him and Kevin Durant were the only two players, according to Stathead, that have been recorded in NBA history to have had 200 threes, 100 steals and 100 blocks produced before turning the age of 22. This is not to suggest he's Kevin Durant. It's to suggest how rare his skill set right. is at a guy his size. And at the end of the day, a couple things come to mind. You invest in that talent. If you're the Grizzlies, you ain't got the same resources or the same amount of opportunities as big markets do. You got to go with what you've been given. Have faith in what you've been given. Jaron Jackson Jr. is an absolute unicorn and wonderful talent that you know is committed to Memphis and wants to make the most of his time here. You've shown how much you're committed to him, bringing in Xavier Tillman, doing what you've done, working with Jaron to get through this significant injury, make the most of it, get the extension. There's value in getting it done now and let's move on. But you know, Chip, me and you could sit here and talk about it all day long and I'm sure we'll bring it up again before the show's over with, but obviously we also want to talk with you a bit more about Zaire Williams and the Grizzlies draft coming up. Going to get Chip's thoughts on some different perspectives when it comes to Zaire Williams, a player that he has been high on for quite a while. Tonight is an exciting night. Football season has finally returned. And while it's simply the first preseason game of the NFL season during the 2021 NFL Hall of Fame game, the great thing about it is is that football is at least on the horizon, which of course means that's just one other opportunity for if you enjoy wagering and betting on sports for you to have another resource to be able to enjoy. And if you want the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, visit betonline.ag. Baseball season is in full swing as well, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams preps for their runs to the playoff. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So Chip, obviously, the Grizzlies draft occurred. And and just, I want to get your thoughts. Take us through your thoughts. I can't remember if me and you spoke before or after. I think it may have been after the trade. But regardless, we spoke last week. But when you knew the Grizzlies were getting there at 10, and your thoughts on what they did at 10, but also your thoughts on the night as a whole, how did you come away feeling about the Grizzlies draft this year compared to previous years? Yeah, I mean, it was a different draft, right? Like, it, they, they kind of have stuck to a script um, the last couple of years, and, and you obviously are, are, like, made a huge name for yourself being able to predict essentially what the Grizzlies were able to do because it it made sense, right, based off the Brandon Clark stuff, you know, even based off the John Conchar uh, signing after the draft a couple years ago, what they then were able to do with Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman and then um, – Killy and Tilly after the draft, it's different, man. I mean, like Zaire Williams is not some sort of, you know, multi-year player analytical darling uh, that had a pretty healthy resume coming into the NBA, right? Like he's, he's different, man. I mean, he, he is truly potential. And, and I think that um, for me personally, um, Zaire Williams is not typically a guy I fall for during the draft process. Um, like it, some people have even compared it to Cam Reddish. Um, you know, he kind of had a disappointing season after being a really high recruit. 
Um, you know, played with Zion and played with RJ and just really struggled a little bit at times with Duke to kind of find his footing there. And so people have made that comparison, right? Like, okay, Reddish, like, still went high in the draft and all that stuff. I, I was not particularly high on Cam Reddish the year that he came out. But when when the Grizzlies got up to 10 especially, I really – I dove further into Zaire, uh, Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy, um, started to watch a lot more of those guys because they, you know, they are now in that type of range. Even Moses Moody, which I'd watched a lot on him before anyways. But – I came away pretty impressed with the tape, and there are plenty of lowlights, right? Like, there are some really bad freshman moments that back up the numbers that we saw on paper. But what you can see, I think, is the outline of this six foot ten guy who can create off the dribble, who can operate in pick and rolls, who can create for his teammates, and, frankly, who can just get his shot at any point in time that he wants to. His step back is as good as any prospect that I've seen coming out in the last few years. I mean, he probably steps back two and a half, three feet and creates real separation between him and the defender. And even if the defender is able to, you know, stick on him with the step back, he's 6'10 with a high release. The, the odds of you being able to truly impact his shot or block his shot are pretty low. Um, and so I, I found that intriguing. What I also found intriguing was that he – defensively, right? Like a lot of these guys, I think, who come in as you think of them as shot makers, shot creators, guys who really want to kind of get their own on, on, on offense, they don't typically reciprocate that on the defensive end, right? They, they tend to kind of save some energy for the offensive end. Well, that is, could not be any further from the truth as I heard. To be honest, I've, I've watched every single game the first 10 or 11 games of this season. I'm, I'm finished. I'm going to finish up the rest of the season. But from what I've seen the first 10 or 11 games, he really impacts the game defensively. And it is really hard to get past him one-on-one, which I think will bode well for him in the league. He's obviously, you know, he's very skinny. He's going to have to add some strength to be able to bang with some of the bigger guys that he'll be guarding. But, you know, I think about game four or five, Stanford lost their two lead guards. They they both got injured at the same time. And so Jared Haas, Stanford's coach, at times had Zaire running point guard and also had him guarding point guards. So he's guarding guys that are eight, nine, ten inches shorter than he is. And, you know, you would think quicker foot speed as well. And they just can't get around him. I mean, there are a couple of instances here and there where guys are able to get past him. But for the most part, you can't get past him. And then if you try to pull up on him, you've got a guy who's half a foot taller than you contesting your jump shot. So I even think he plays decent team defense. He he roams a little bit, um, and I think he gets lost at times. But all that stuff is very correctable uh, in an NBA system. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that I didn't see the stuff that you oftentimes see from guys who are labeled the way that Zaire is, right? Like, he is an extremely willing passer. He is a more than capable and more than willing defender. And those two things, coupled with the shot-making potential, I, I was like, okay, there is like a baseline here where I don't see him falling out of the league. Like, I think people have said that, like, hey, he could be playing overseas in the next couple of years. I don't see that because of the other stuff that he does. As long as that shot is what it was before he got to Stanford, and look, he's got a beautiful free throw stroke. I have no reason to doubt that the shot is going to come along. Um, I see a guy who can help you win games in the NBA 
even if he doesn't hit his umpteenth level ceiling. Um, and then obviously with them drafting Santi Aldama, um, really more of just a guy that I'd kind of heard of and watched like highlights of before the draft. I had not gone super in depth with him. Um, but I think after the fact, he, he makes sense as a swing at 30. And then just a fascinating story about, you know, if the Grizzlies shut him down or if Oklahoma City Thunder shut him down and how the Grizzlies felt they needed to get in front of the Thunder to go up and get him. And actually now getting him in the first round gives them a little bit more control and puts a little bit more money in Santi Aldama's pocket. So there's kind of some stuff that goes beyond basketball there that I thought was interesting. Um, but fun draft night. Like, I know people were disappointed because it wasn't the picks that everyone wanted, but um, I thought it was fun, and I think you dig a little bit deeper and you see what the Grizzlies see in these guys. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. I mean, you know, the two things that I take away from it are this. The Zaire Williams pick, I am not – I'm fine with it. Like, I don't think he's going to be there at 17. I think that he has a higher ceiling than other players like a Book Knight or a Moody were there. I'm fine also not at trading what it likely was going to take to get up to seven or eight to get a Kaminga or a Wagner. And I also feel that, you know, I've said it – yeah, I think me and you have talked about it before. I, I, I feel like with Zaire – he honestly is, if he hits at his peak, probably the best singular fit roster need-wise and skill set-wise for this Grizzlies team. But there was a little bit of that, you know, let down or, or disappointment or whatever have you. Like, had the Grizzlies drafted Moses Moody and then traded up to get a Jaden Springer, I would have been ecstatic. But the reason why I'm not that ecstatic with Zaire Williams and Santi Aldama, you don't get as much pub about them coming into the draft. You do have a bit more evidence of, you know, having doubts about them than the other two guys that I mentioned, but I do think the ceilings are there. The Grizzlies took a bit more risk with their picks, and so I feel it's okay for it to take time to adjust. The one thing that I'll say I was a bit I was hoping that they would do. I was hoping that they would at least even make a move for another guy to get in there and get that good potentially high ceiling combo guard option like a Springer, Christopher, Cam Thomas in that draft and still maybe still get Aldama. That's the only kind of negative I take away from it. But as time goes on, it's taken me a little while to warm up with it, but I'm coming around on it and I see the idea. I see the idea, especially in Zaire Williams, being that home run type swing to get a really good compliment to Jaron and Jog going forward. Yeah, like when they traded up to... 30, I said, okay, here comes the Grizzly pick, right? Like they're taking Jared Butler from, from Baylor. They're going to take Deuce McBride from West. Like they're going to take the, the established veteran college basketball player who's a great analytics player and will be able to come in. And I, I know that, you know, there's maybe been a little bit of rumblings that Tyus Jones could be had. Uh, maybe they're just like, okay, we're not going to pay Tyus a year from now. So let's go ahead and get our backup point guard for Ja. And they didn't. Uh, I mean, they did not stick to the script that they have stuck to the last couple of drafts. So it, it was surprising. The Santi Aldama thing, like people that really watched him, especially people that watch a lot of stuff, um, you know, from Europe, are they're high on him. I mean, they, they, they like him. They think he can really play in the NBA. And they're, they're certainly intriguing stuff there. So, again, like as you dig deeper, it, it makes some sense. And you understand that they really are taking a swing, but I'm with you. I, I thought that Jaden Springer was probably a guy that they liked. I mean, he, he kind of checks a lot of the boxes on a younger version of some of the players 
um, that they liked. So that I, I thought that was very much on the table too. As he started to slide down into the twenties, I thought, man, maybe they could jump up and get a guy who could either play backup point guard to Ja or even play next to him at times. Um, but they didn't. They 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 steered away from the guards and they they decided to uh, to go bigs and and go with uh, the big wing that they have. I you know I will say one person texted me before the draft and they're like, okay, the one thing the Grizzlies have to come away with is what? And I just said a big wing. Like they they don't they have Kyle Anderson and that's their entire option for guys who are six six and up. To, they can play on the wing and they did that. Like they they took the swing. And I think we probably want to talk a little bit more about this of a guy who I think fits extremely well into what the best version of this team could be. That was part one of our two-part series with Chip Williams discussing all things Jaron Jackson Jr. and the 2021 NBA draft for the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, great insight as to the decisions to go with Zaire Williams as well as Santi Aldama. And of course, me and Chip's thoughts on the reasons why it makes too much sense to invest in Jaron Jackson Jr. Obviously, you can find all of Chip's great content at Chip Williams Jr. on Twitter. You can find myself and my content at StatsSAC on Twitter. My name's Sean Coleman. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, part one of our great conversation with Chip Williams about the Grizzlies 2021 NBA draft. On tomorrow's episode, me and Chip will really dive deep into just how well Zaire fits for this Grizzlies roster from supporting Jaw to how he'll support Jaron, to how he'll support both the offense and defense and what things could look like for the Grizzlies as time moves forward. Though it may take a bit of time to get there, what is the ultimate goal with Zaire Williams now in the fold? Make sure to tune in tomorrow for all that. Again, my name's Sean Coleman. Thanks so much for enjoying us, for enjoying this episode, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.